It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy beach read. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Are you feeling like everyone is crazy and angry? We talk about finding productive ways to discuss Confederate monuments and Donald Trump. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode, everybody. We want to send another thank you out for our great live event. It was so wonderful to see so many of you in person and keep your eyes and ears open because we hope to be doing many more. Today in the Pearls, we're going to discuss the latest changes in administrative staffing in the White House. Um, Our listener, Carrie, inspired today's conversation in the suit about tackling difficult topics with friends and family members, which is something we talked about in our Q&A at the live event. So if you're a patron or not a patron yet, head on over and you can listen to that. In the heels, as always, we'll talk about what's on our minds outside of politics. Goodbye, Steve Bannon.
See you later. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. He had the shortest resume gap ever, though. I think it was approximately 10 seconds before Steve Bannon's resignation became public fodder. And we learned that he was back in the hot seat at Breitbart. I found that whole like he was at the afternoon editorial meeting thing so gross and disturbing. I couldn't stand it. And I thought it was so sort of relevant in the face of this big Harvard media study. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to look at it, Beth, and I know we've talked about talking about it more in another episode, but about the imbalance and about like the number one source of immigration reading for people was Breitbart during the 2016 election. What? So it just felt sort of scary to me that like he's now been unleashed back in the space that has outsized um, influence anyway. But all that being said, glad he's not in the White House, I guess. I do not believe this is him falling out of favor with the president, to your point. I think this is he and the president deciding that strategically the Trump presidency will benefit the most from him using his media prowess because he has been largely ineffective in the White House. And, you know, to me, there's nothing really to celebrate here other than someone who was manifestly unqualified is not going to be on the public payroll any longer. Mm. But I don't think this means he is going to diminish in his role as an advisor to the president in a real way. And I also don't think it means that this administration is free of a white nationalist influence. Here's the other thing. I think that with regards to sort of the media side of things and their media strategy, yes, they are very good at that. And there's a part of me that's sort of like a little scared because, you know, him being unleashed in the media landscape is scary because him and Trump are good at that part. But what we're learning is even being a great media strategist doesn't show that you can govern. And it's an important component of it. But the sort of way they do media is never going to work legislatively and sort of government wise. And again, Donald Trump's still president. So I'm not sure how much this changes. People have talked for a while about how by people, I mean, pundits have talked for a while. (laughs) About how the president would keep Bannon close because the possibility of him being a detractor on the outside was a really frightening possibility for the White House. But I think that was a miscalculation. I think that Bannon being on the outside is more of a threat to congressional Republicans. Mm. This is going to be... How much can you guys withstand those of you who are criticizing the president or not voting with the president or publicly condemning some of the president's remarks? How much can you take? I think that's what we're about to see. Well, and I don't even think it was preventing them from doing it while he was there. They'd go after McMaster. They would go after other people. I mean, they were going after Priebus. I mean, he was doing it right from the White House. So what's the difference now? He's just probably going to make more money now. Well, great. Good for him. Hope Hicks is the new communications director. What do you think about that, Sarah? Um, I don't understand Hope Hicks there. I don't understand. I read that GQ article. It helped me a little bit understand how she got there. I don't. I mean, I have to believe that the only reason she stays and continues to rise is because she only says yes to him. Here's where I am. I don't ever want to talk about Steve Bannon again. I hope that we can all agree not to give him the oxygen of our attention in his new role. Hope Hicks is someone who has fairly quietly been 
alongside the president for a long time. She seems to me to be one of the last people standing who Mm -hmm. was with him early on. I am very curious to learn more about why that is and what this means. I'll tell you one thing, and this is just maybe kind of a catty thing to say, and I don't mean it in that way, but if I were Sarah Huckabee Sanders, this would annoy me in ways that I can't even put into words. Oh, so true. So true. I mean, I've seen enough of Hope Hicks to know that, and I'm no big Sarah Huckabee Sanders fan, but she is 10 times more (laughs) effective as a spokesperson than Hope Hicks is. Well, do we, I mean, how, I I, I don't even know if I've ever heard Hope Hicks talk. Like, she doesn't do a lot of that stuff, does she? Not a lot. I heard her a couple of times during the campaign, and um, I was not impressed. And I feel like Sarah Huckabee Sanders keeps doing the hardest work in this administration and then has to deal with things like this happening in her chain of and command. And also, I mean, I feel like if you're looking for somebody with a communication strategy who, like, really understand, I mean, why would you pick someone who's been there the whole time when your communication strategy has been sort of a hot mess? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Should we compliment the other side? Sure. So I wanted to compliment Laura Smith, who has a piece in New York Magazine that is a really difficult reality to face. And I just think it was um, courageous in some ways and provocative of her to raise this issue. The The piece is about the role of women in the white supremacy movement. And she writes, when it comes to identifying perpetrators of racial hatred in this country, it is tempting to comfort ourselves with gender tropes. But women have always played a determining role in white supremacist movements. And she goes on about the influence of women in the Klan. And her piece ends by saying, look, when women get energized about a movement, it's serious. And make no mistake, even though you didn't see a lot of women with torches, Women are very much involved in what happened in Charlottesville and will be going forward. And I hate thinking about that. And I'm also glad someone is forcing me to think about that. Yeah, we talked about, um, I think this was during the live show, that I think it's really not even just about white supremacist movements. I think the complicity of white women in a lot of different um, sort of the racial past of the United States is, look, it's well documented. And, you know, I said at the time, I have to be very careful because what I really want to say is like, I'm a liberal woman, and so I understand, and I'm totally an ally, and I have to constantly check myself and be like, I don't get a get-out-of-jail-free card just because I'm a woman, and or get-out-of-racism-free card, I guess is what I should say. And to be constantly cognizant of the roles that white women have played is, it's hard, and it sucks, and I don't really want to think like that, but, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to just give myself a pass and not constantly sort of be checking myself and thinking in about my own language and my own prejudices. That's for dang sure. And the role, like I said, the role that women, white women have played in history. Well, and also I think it can be easy to villainize men in ways Mm -hmm. that are very unfair. Yeah. And, and I feel myself tending to do, I mean, that was certainly the reaction I had to the photos coming out of Charlottesville. Yeah. And this was a very good reminder that it is not so easy. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm a little less inclined to that because I'm raising three white boys. So, I try not to think that they're just not, you know, inclined to think, inclined to be a certain way, for sure. At least I hope they're not going to be anyway. So my compliment for the other side is uh, your senator you talked about, Will Schroeder, that you posted on our Facebook page about who called for the removal of Jefferson Davis statue at the Kentucky Capitol. And I kind of want to increase the circle a little bit because there's been a lot of Republicans calling for the removal of Confederate symbols. 
Uh, I believe the governor of Tennessee did. Um, there's just been a lot of different places across the country that they're adding their voices and it's sort of becoming a bipartisan call to remove these symbols. And I think that's really, really great. Well done. It is also not easy. I spent some time today reading reactions to Senator Schroeder's speech, which was an ugly thing. And it made me realize that although nationally this feels bipartisan and it feels like, gosh, we're really moving forward, uh, it is still a very brave thing to do. And there are still very, very strong feelings and real ugliness to be um, dealt with when you put that kind of courage out into the world. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy beet treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped, and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked me through these issues, and I sort of channeled his energy I put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pantsuit. The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials. Like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, premium luggage options, and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt in Japan. They like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. 
Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. today in the suit, which I have a feeling will be fairly wide ranging, as we tend to do, ha. was inspired by our listener, Carrie, who wrote to us and said, I know you've addressed this some and maybe you did a full episode and I missed it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on how to cope with family members, both close and more distant, who say in person or post on social media, political or social views that you find deeply offensive or totally inaccurate. And she goes on to say that social media has created a really weird situation where we're closer to people than we would normally be, but we're closer to them only in the social media relationship. So it's not like you have this opportunity to flesh things out in person, perhaps, especially with relatives who live in other cities. And I thought it was a great question and very timely. In the wake of Charlottesville, it seems like everyone's crazy is on full display. Oof. So today, um, a family member sent me this crazy video, and I'm wondering how many of you have gotten it, of, um, I think it's called Red Pill Black Girl. Have you seen this video, Beth? No. It's this black woman basically spouting, I mean, it's, there's really no other way to say it. It's a black woman spouting white supremacist views. She's basically like, black people kill more black people. We're the real problem. Don't let the media get you all hyped up. It's just a couple crazies. Black people are the problem. It's it's bananas. Um, and that whole red pill thing is like a white supremacist. Did you hear the guy on the Daily, uh, the New York Times podcast, talking about who like sort of embedded himself in the the chat boards with the white supremacist? Yes, Discord. That Discord, was yeah, chilling to listen to. And they talked about the red pill. That's like a a term they use because it's a a reference to the met, the Matrix. And so, you know, the first thing I told this person was, okay, th- this girl is sending up like dog whistles for white supremacists. And, you know, but I get that that happens a lot with family members. Like if you say you support Black Lives Matter, you say something supportive uh, toward a racial justice movement, you get, well, here's this one black person saying that that's not true. And then you're supposed to just, I don't know, crumble in the face of it. And so I just kind of said, look, you know, this is she's got all the dog whistles of white supremacy. It doesn't make anything she say says less offensive. You know, we don't just get to say, oh, well, it's a black person who says it's OK. So we're just going to walk all this back. It just doesn't work like that. I try to be respectful about it, but it was kind of hard. What I've seen the most of over the past couple of days is. Just continuing to define your own views oppositionally. Yep. So it's like, you know, some of the comments to the article where Senator Schroeder was calling for the removal of the Jefferson Davis statue were like, well, glad to see you're aligning yourselves with Nancy Pelosi. Okay. Like if you can only define your perspective in reference to someone else, I think you need to check in. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's not so a good true. place to be. And it's that's what I was very frustrated. And it's not that I think the discussion of the Confederate monuments are a distraction. You know, I posted a blog post where I talked in depth about my own ancestry and um why that is important to me, but the monuments don't um 
they're not the only way for me to sort of respect the people that came before me. And, you know, it just, it, the, the way I, I have to think that Donald Trump and Steve Bannon's comments afterwards, that he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew when I make this about Confederate monuments, they'll stop paying attention to the fact that I was refusing to put white supremacists on a moral plane, you know, like it became, because that is an issue, even though I do think it's sort of, we've hit the crest and it seems now that they are just coming down quickly and that you have bipartisan support for the most part. Like it's still enough of a flashpoint that it's just like, once this issue gets brought up and it's, we've all sort of, we've all decided where our teams fall. We can't have a reasonable conversation at all. It's so frustrating. Even when it's somebody you love where you're like, come on, you know, I don't hate police officers, please don't talk to me like this just because I'm supportive of racial justice. Like, ah, this is so frustrating. I think as Americans, we need to be looking hard for places of stability right now. Mm. A friend of mine was talking about how in reference to North Korea, we've been here before we've been through the cold war. And I said, we absolutely have. And the major difference that I see between now and the cold war is that I don't see any place where Americans are aligned. Yeah. I don't see anyone. We're not even, we're not having a discussion about North Korea the way that we had about Russia during the Cold War. North Korea is, is scary, I think, to most Americans, but I don't think most Americans see North Korea's threat as so clear that, that it makes them say, well, we're going to have absolute confidence in our president now and we're going to, view them as the enemy and we're going to come together and be united. And and I think that there are probably good reasons for that that have nothing to do with Donald Trump. Perhaps we're learning some things about geopolitical conflict, but you don't see us united against a common enemy. You don't have Americans even in agreement about what Russia did during our elections. And now you have us all at each other's throats about the most intensely personal conflicts possible. So on the international stage and the domestic stage, we are destabilized. We just are. It was so frustrating. I was listening to Vox had an article on this and somebody else like Vox went to this Roy Moore campaign space and um, like campaign rally and we're asking people and they were basically like, all this division is it's Obama's fault. Trump's doing the best he can. And like my mom was talking about a conversation with a friend who was basically like, no, he's doing a great job. I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm just, it's so, <laughs> you just feel like it's crazy making. It's gaslighting. You feel like you're being gaslit. You know, like, no, I am not crazy. This person is incompetent. His own staff leaks that they treat him like a child and they keep information from him. I'm not crazy here, but it's just, we can't, it's so frustrating. I think all that sort of hurt we're all still carrying from the 2016 where we just felt like we couldn't agree on reality is like this sort of brought it all back up. And, you know, it is like we can't agree on anything. I told somebody the other day, I think this is part of the reason why I am both geeked out about the solar eclipse and obsessed with Game of Thrones right now, because they're like one of the few communal things people can agree on. Like everyone's excited about the eclipse where it's going across the continental U.S. Like everybody's psyched. It's this beautiful thing. Yay. We can all agree on it. And it's why I'm like, I go crazy on somebody who kind of blows it off. I'm like, how dare you? (laughs) It's something America is united about. I'm so mad at you for even implying that it's not this fantastic thing. And same thing with Game of Thrones. It's like this last TV show of most people, not Beth, are watching that we kind of like have fun around. And it's like, I just miss that. And it's like, I'm starting to forget what it was like 
when we weren't, when everybody wasn't the enemy. And I hate to like get on the soapbox again, but again, back to that media study. It's like, damn, like you can't help but notice that this got worse when Fox News came around. And when they sit there and they don't say, hey, we disagree. We, these are, this is what we think is important. It's you are the enemy. If you disagree with conservatives, you are the enemy. And it's just so demoralizing, man. And I think the concerning part of where we are now is that there's been so much of that. And I am not going to put equal fault at the feet of the left from the beginning, because I do think Fox News is patient zero Mm -hmm. in this in this disease. However, now we do have a a very energized and I think I think there are people on the left who are um, picking up the fight. You know what I mean? Because it looks like what else is there to do? And I'm struggling. I'm getting all these messages about violent behavior from counter protesters as it relates to Charlottesville. I do not believe that every counter protester in Charlottesville acted a hundred percent the way I would have if I had been there. Okay. I also am not going to sit here as a white woman and pretend to understand how I might feel as a person of color or a Jewish person or an LGBTQ person and how I might react to a perceived threat in a situation like that. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to criticize people whose positions I don't fully understand. And I think that we have to get a little bit more empathetic about what constitutes an appropriate reaction to hate speech. I'm not saying that violence is acceptable on anyone's part. I'm also saying that I think what we perceive as self-defense might need to stretch a little bit. Well, I've been thinking a lot about free speech (laughs) and hate speech. And one of our listeners um, sent the most amazing article from, I think she was one of her, Dr. Nielsen, I think it was Laura Nielsen was her name, um, about the, she talked about, what did she call it? The, The rezoning of hate speech. And she said, look, you know, We restrict speech all the time. We don't let panhandlers panhandle. We restrict speech based on advertising and um, libel and slander and all these things. And my husband and I have been talking about this because I was like sort of making the point I made again, which is I'm ready to I want to think about this again. I don't want to just be I think we've sort of adopted this. Free speech includes neo-Nazis moving on. And I just, you know, the part of me that always wants to question is like, but why? And is that the right choice? And her argument that basically like, no, it's just that, you know, we we privilege some forms of victimization of speech above others. And speech is always a balance of, you know, cost and benefits and harms. And why is it more harmful to, you know, why have we decided it's more harmful to restrict hate speech than it is for the people suffering at the hands of hate speech? And sort of me, for me personally, I was thinking like, you know, if we don't, we restrict speech that incites violence, I need someone to explain to me how Nazism in its, at its core does not incite violence, that it is not a call for violence against one group of people in the same with white supremacy. I'm just, I don't understand. And, you know, it's not that I want to, 
shut people off because I think there is a strong argument that that makes it worse. But I also don't want to give a platform because that's an accelerant. And I think that makes it worse. And I just am struggling with like sort of how we move forward through here because I do think we need to ask ourselves some hard questions. I mean, the ACLU has come out and said now they won't defend their right, the rights of a KKK protesters to protest with weapons. Although I, I don't, it seems like a distinction without a difference to me because how are you going to know unless it's just, you're just going to say, I'm not, we're not going to do it in open carry states. But I don't know. I'm struggling with it all. I think another thing that we need to be honest with ourselves about is that people who are talking about the First Amendment have been galvanized and and angered not by government action. They are angry about private action. Yeah. People railing against political correctness have not seen, I think, um, a lot of change in the government's approach to speech over the past few decades. I think First Amendment case law is not bad in terms of its consistency. It's difficult, but I think it's a pretty um, predictable course for the most part. So it's not government action that's making people so angry. They don't like it that corporations left North Carolina over the bathroom laws. Mm -hmm. And they don't like it that people get fired from their jobs for saying things. I mean, these the folks I think who are so upset about political correctness are really misinterpreting the First Amendment, which does not, as I've said over and over again, protect your speech from the consequences of speaking. You can speak like speak all day. Yeah. But there will be consequences and no one is ensuring your right to keep your job, keep your friends, host a tournament that's going to bring lots of money into your state. Well, and here's the other thing, too, is it's not just the 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 reaction to even private action. I mean, it's just it's become this other flashpoint that this is where our team stands put on the jersey don't i mean i had a, an intense exchange or beginning to be intense exchange on facebook with somebody and i finally said you know i'm sorry you feel like that i didn't mean to make you feel like that but i don't want to be seen through the filter of everything you've ever heard a liberal say about a conservative and you don't want to be heard through the filter of everything anyone's nasty anyone said about a conservative you know like Maybe I feel like that's almost what we need to do before we have any conversation. Be like, okay, look, I am not a totem for everything you've ever thought or heard a Democrat say or do. And you will not be a stand in or totem for everything I've ever heard a conservative say or do. So can we just all let that go? I'm going to be myself first and way on down the list. I'll be a Democrat. But, you know, that I, I know that the party over country or country over party has sort of become trite, but man, it's true. I don't know how we move forward otherwise. I think that's a really good starting place. And I think sometimes we have to be a lot more explicit about that than we think we need to be, Mm -hmm. especially on social media. And I think the other thing is letting people know that you still see them as people. Yeah. So on the rare occasion that I get into it with somebody on Facebook, and it is rare, I just, for the most part, save all of my politics for our podcast (laughs) and let people opt in and find me if they want to do that with me. But on the rare occasion that I do it from just a personal place, I always start with, hey, person who is totally in disagreement with me or who has said something offensive, you know that I love you. 
And just kind of that reminder of like, right. we're, you're, you're still a person to me and I'm still this person to you. And then I try to, as I did in the blog post that I did for our listeners about the First Amendment, I try to sort of bookend it and say, we're, we're in a relationship here. I hope our relationship can withstand our disagreement. We received a message from a listener and then this person followed up and I appreciated the effort the person made to fully explain where he was coming from and ask the question he wanted to ask. So I'm not talking about this to disparage the writer of this message at all. In the course of his message, he felt he said that he expected more maturity from us than sort of the no nuance for Nazis that we talked about during our live podcast. And I thought a long time about how to respond. And I said, look, you know, we all have platforms right now. This in here in 2017, every person with a Facebook account basically has a platform. And I've done a lot of soul searching about the platform that we are very fortunate to have in our podcast. And I think maturity at this moment for me is being super clear about what I want to use this platform for. Mm. And I'm not going to use it in a way that I find hurtful to other people. And I think that having an equal sides discussion or even a super lawyerly discussion of the rights of white supremacists is a hurtful way to use this platform. And I don't want to do that. Mm. Well, and I think... So I was listening to another listener, fabulous listener recommendation. Um, one of our listeners recommended the po- podcast Conversations with People I Hate, which is a YouTube star who, um, like does social justice videos and YouTube is like its own universe with the YouTube people that watch the YouTube. But anyway, and they, <laughs> um, it is man. And they, um, so he will like find a commenter and com- converse with them. Um, and then share some of those conversations on the podcast. And he did two white men first off. Um, and they, I mean, I like, I was in tears. One of them went so well. And what I heard from both of them is something I've also been thinking a lot with regards to these conversations. And what both of them said is, I feel like groups want to be treated. They say they want to be treated equally, but what they really want is special treatment. And I don't get any special treatment. That's what Mm -hmm. I heard both of them say over and over. I heard it again from, I hear that a lot from people in my family. And, you know, it's so, it's such a hard point to talk about. It's, I find it really difficult because I, I understand what they're saying. I hear them. And I think maybe that's the most important point is to say, I understand why you would feel that way. Um, even if you think it's ridiculous, <laughs> people need to be heard. And until we can say, I hear you, I hear why that it would seem that way. Let's talk about why it's really something different. Um, because when people feel like they're being treated unfairly or their group is being treated unfairly, it's like you can't get past that point in any kind of conversation. The other kind of recommendation that I have for talking about this stuff is to only put out what you really mean. I think we try to argue things in a way that we feel would be successful in like a Socratic college classroom 
often instead of just getting to what it's really about. So for me, if I'm in a conversation with someone about Confederate monuments, I'm fine with just conceding that there is some history involved. Now, do I think that that is a very persuasive or compelling reason to keep these statues? I do not. And I also believe the the articles that I have read lately that say these monuments weren't ever about history in the first place. They were about terrorizing people. Mm. But I don't need to do that with someone because even if I conceded that they are important reminders of our country's past, what I what I have to put out into the world is just that everything in life is about priorities and my priority is kindness. And I think these statues at this moment in history are unkind. And that's where I come out. And you can argue with me about this all day, but I'm not going to change the priority that I place on kindness. Hmm. If you want to prioritize something else, you do you go for it. And we'll have that discussion and we'll see where the majority of us come out or where the majority of our elected officials come out. Well, and that's the thing, though. And here's the thing. I won't accuse you if you disagree with me of being unkind. That's right. If you don't accuse me of disagreeing with you of like hating history and wanting to tear our country apart. Can we just first of all, okay, this is how I'd like to end this conversation. Everybody stop acting like the other side is the enemy of the nation. Please, Mm -hmm. please. You know, I just it's so it just it sucks. It sucks to be on the other end of it. And we have to stop. That's my, that's in conclusion. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin. So it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. Earthbreeze sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big, heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets. And... Even with toddlers, like, you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry, even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, gotta love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silvers household, and I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner. Like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread. Lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this fantastic, high quality, easy to bake in 25 minutes or less from frozen bread that turns out perfectly every single time. I also have to tell you about the free croissants for life that come with your wild grain orders. And those croissants make the morning, your brunch, maybe your late night snack flaky and like you're sitting in a French cafe and they're just perfect every single time. That's what I love about Wild Grain. It's easy. It's consistent. It's fully customizable. It is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. 
You heard me free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit, or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, a.k.a. problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. On the heels, we're going to talk about, we are going to stop, and we're going to talk in the heels about what we're thinking about outside of politics. Sarah, what's on your mind? Oh, what is on my mind? Okay, so uh, this is going to be safe to talk about because this episode is coming out on Tuesday. Well, yeah, so technically recorded on Saturday and the new Game of Thrones isn't out yet, but I might have um, seen it somehow. That was totally okay to do. Uh, Yeah, I saw it. So I was totally traumatized. And this is, I understand why you do not watch this form of television. (laughs) About halfway through the episode, I was thinking, man, Beth is maybe, maybe Beth is right. I mean, I was traumatized. I could not stop thinking about it for days. I've just been able to let it go recently. My husband and our friend Derek, who is a listener and who is one of our favorite people, we went on vacation with Derek and his wife, Whitney, and their children. While we were at the beach, they watched a couple of episodes of Game of Thrones at night, and I would catch bits and pieces. And I would always look up and think, yeah, that's why I don't do this. Don't <laughs> do it. And the other Not thing I'm, obviously I'm obsessing about right now, as I previously mentioned, is the eclipse. I'm in total eclipse freakout mode. When the episode comes out, the eclipse will have passed. I hope a lot of you have seen it. Um, I'm just excited. They say it is like the most amazing natural phenomenon. I heard it described as so beautiful. It makes sunrise over the Grand Canyon look like an empty strip mall in Jersey. I'm so excited. Wow. Right? So I have been thinking about the time that we had in Nashville, which was wonderful. And then the day after I got back from Nashville, I gave a talk to a class called Cincy Next. It's a program in the Cincinnati Chamber of Commerce puts on for young professionals. And I talked about all kinds of things. And after it was over, a person in the class came up to me and asked me probably my favorite question that I've ever been asked. She said, I really hope you don't take this the wrong way. How did you decide that anyone would care what you have to say? Yeah, that's awesome. It's my favorite question ever. I said, I totally don't take that the wrong way. I think that is such an awesome question and one that, you know, we should constantly ask ourselves and um, all feel a little bit freer about. And and so I told her a version of of one thing that I said to our workshop audience when we were in Nashville, which is, I think, working with someone like you who is much more extroverted gives me a lot of permission and space and encouragement but but it made me think about like how much talent 
could be swimming out there in the world that we don't know because those people haven't convinced themselves that anyone cares what they have to Mm. say. Like what poetry have we not discovered? You know what? I I, I just kind of took my brain in all these wonderful directions. And um, I've been thinking about it a lot. So So I just want to thank that person for the question. (laughs) Here's what I would say. So I think we talked about this at the live podcast that one of my new or the workshop. I don't remember y'all. We talked for five hours that day. And so for a while, I'm going to be like, I know I've said this before. I do not know in my context. So just be prepared for like. I think it was more like six too. once you put in like the video that we did with red pepper and we did oh, a lot so of talking. It's so talkative. And I, it sounds like a dream come true for me, but at the end, I, even I was like, Oh my God, I can't talk anymore. Um, so the, um, I was listening to, I think Brene Brown on Oprah's super soul conversations podcast, money for everything. And she said, I think it was her. She said, in a scarcity mindset, which most of us live in, in the modern world, we look for the extraordinary. And I think one of the implications for that comes out in that question, which is because we think we live in the scarcity mindset, we think you can't add to the conversation or be in a space unless you are extraordinary and have something totally new to say. That's something I did to myself a lot blogging and I had to sort of work through. And one of my favorite things I ever heard was at a blogging convention and they were like, look, what if some everybody had just looked at the Hershey bar and been like, you know what? Somebody's made a candy bar. We're done here. No, of course not. Of course nobody did that. Thank God they didn't. We wouldn't have had Snickers bars or KK bars or Twix. It would be a tragic situation we find ourselves in. Like every time you think the space is occupied, it's not. There's always something new to be done. There's always something new to be added. And it doesn't have to be extraordinarily unique to make the situation better. But because we, I think we have that scarcity mindset, that's how, that's how it exercises itself. Yeah, I think that's true. And the other thing is, I don't think that everyone needs to hear my voice or everyone cares what I have to say. And something that I meditate on all the time is sort of in relation to the podcast that I cannot take the criticism too personally because it's not really about me. Mm. And to ensure that that's true, I also can't take the praise too personally because that's not really about me either. Yeah. It's sort of, we put our stuff out here. We see what happens. We give the best of ourselves and then we just have to walk away from it and, and recognize that what happens from here is kind of none of our business. So thank you all so much for joining us and for being part of our community, even though we're trying not to attach too much to it. <laughs> That's important for our own sanity. Uh, we do really love our audience and we're so grateful for your support on patreon.com, which helps us fund pantsuit politics and ensures that we can keep good content coming to you. We want to thank our executive producers, Nicholas, Tracy, Leslie and Sabrina, please follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Pantsuit Politic, Facebook and Instagram at Pantsuit Politics. We always appreciate your reviews on the Apple Podcast app. And until we are with you again on Friday, keep it nuanced, y'all. Bye.